Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Outsiders NFL podcast. Josh Frysam and Jesse Cornega here. And Jesse, there's a lot of stuff going on in the NFL right now. There's a lot of movement, a lot of trades, a lot of ramp up to the free agency period. There's just a lot going on in the league right now. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I'm losing sleep over this, Josh. I'm tossing and turning in bed thinking of all the trades, all the player movement we got going on. The NFL is not not just the regular season. NFL is 365 days a year, and this episode will embody that sentiment. Absolutely, without a doubt. Uh, we're going to be discussing two divisions today. We're going to be looking at their outlooks, the NFC East and the AFC South, and seeing what they have to look forward to in 2019 and what moves they might be making in free agency that is right around the corner. Uh, so let's get into it with a little bit of uh, news, actually starting off, just rapid news. First wanted to touch on Baltimore Ravens cutting safety Eric Weddle. And Jesse, this came as a little bit of a head-scratcher, but upon looking into it, it appears that they were making this move essentially to clear some cap space to sign uh, linebacker C.J. Mosley, who is a, an integral part to their defense. And this move cleared $7.5 million of cap space, but as you and I both know, this is one of the emotional leaders on this defense, and still, even at 34 years old, one of the better safeties in the NFL, so it's going to hurt this defense a little bit. Scotty, right? Uh, letting him move on. Yeah, experience... At the safety position is uh, something that most good defenses uh, defenses have. I mean, when you're the uh, you're the last line of defense, and and it comes down <clears throat> to a lot of uh, re- re- like re- recognizing plays. I mean, having that experience under your belt, um, it, it, it's 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 a it's a key part of any good defense. But I'm confident that the Baltimore Ravens um, have some young good safeties in the stable that maybe won't be able to reproduce what Eric Weddle did last year, but have the ceiling that Eric Weddle has, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see some someone develop in his role. Yeah, and once again, just seems to be a recurring theme here, just with all of these safeties that keep getting added to this free agent market. This is just yet another serious safety added to uh, a loaded free agent class. So we'll, uh, we actually know where Eric Weddle has landed. He is now with the Los Angeles Rams, and that is... Well, he's just making their defense even better again. I mean, they re-signed Dante Fowler as well, and this defense is looking like it's poised to to run the NFL once again. So we'll see we'll see what happens there in in 2019. But uh, last little bit of news I actually want to just t- discuss was franchise tags that have been assigned. So the franchise tags look like this: Chiefs outside linebacker D Ford, uh, Cowboys edge rusher Demarcus Lawrence, Texans outside linebacker Jadavian Clowney. Seahawks edge rusher Frank Clark, Falcons defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. Um, there are n- no surprises here. We expected all these guys to um, get franchise tag. But Jesse, the one thing to note here is that these are non-exclusive franchise tags, meaning that these players can still engage in negotiations with other teams. The one difference being that should any of these players actually sign with a different team, that team must then send their first-round draft picks over the next two years back to the original team. And in the Chiefs' case, they've actually stated that they're open to trading a guy like D. Ford um, or trading a guy like Justin Houston. And there have been teams like the Packers or the 49ers that are interested in D. Ford. So we'll see what happens 
there. Well, just to note, Josh, uh, Justin Houston has been released by the Kansas City Chiefs, so he's not eligible for trade anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there seems to be a at least a formidable market for that of edge rusher in D Ford. So it'll be interesting to see how much he commands on the market and, and if they are able to move him for some picks. Yeah, and the Chiefs are moving D or trying to move D four because they have a huge year ahead of them. I mean, they're going to be they got a lot of people sign long term, such as Patrick Mahomes. They got Tyreek Hill, who's probably going to be setting records with his upcoming deal, and they're also switching to a four three defense, meaning that D Ford's um, versatility at the outside linebacker position isn't as crucial anymore. So uh, he he is expendable now that they are switching to that scheme. Um, let's. I don't know if you have any anything else to talk about with franchise tags. All right, let's move on to the NFC East outlook here. And Jesse, as you know, this is always one of the toughest divisions in football to predict on a year-to-year basis. Uh, although we saw the Cowboys emerge as contenders last, last year, I, I still don't necessarily think um, that's any indication of how this division will play out in 2019. What do you think? Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. We've seen year after year after year, it seems to be uh, a different NFC East team uh, kind of takes the lead and wins the division. And just the volatility in that division year after year is, is just amazing to watch. All right, well, let's get into it with the starting with the New York football giants. And these guys finished 5-11 and last year, a disappointing year to say the least, with all of the star power that they have with Odell and Saquon now. Um, the Giants do have some great pieces to build around on both sides of the ball, but they're just trying to string things together in Pat Shermer and company's second season running the show, and uh, this should be Eli Manning's farewell season. So, But looking at their 2018 rankings, defensively is where a lot of their problems lied. I they, they rank 23rds in points against, 24th in total yards. And as I'm doing my research to, to prep for the Giants, Jesse, I, I immediately put Olivier Vernon on the trade as a trader cut candidate. And lo and behold, he got traded uh, to the Cleveland Browns for former Bengals right guard Kevin Zeitler, who um, his last time he hit free agency, obviously signed that record-breaking contract for an interior lineman. I think that trade was really a win-win. The The Giants' offensive line has been abysmal for their, the majority of the past three to four seasons. Uh, last year, they went out and got a uh, notable left tackle, and Nate Solder signed him to a big contract, and now they improved the other side of the line with Kevin Zeitler. So. And they drafted guard uh, Will Hernandez as well. There, there you go. So, I mean... The turnover on this offensive line, uh, it's pointing in the right direction. And with Eli Manning on the way out, uh, they're probably looking with their first overall pick, as we'll get into later, to go and grab a quarterback. I think they're setting up whoever they go grab um, with a pretty good offensive line in front of them, as well as we already know the weapons they have on the outside and in the backfield are some of the more elite uh, in the NFL with Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. So I really like that trade for, for them. I mean, And it's a deep uh, defensive line draft, so they can try and go out and replace Olivier Vernon, who has struggled to stay on the field for them in his two years as a New York Giant. Yeah, and although he struggled to stay on the field, he did have seven sacks in 11 games played last year, and he did end up being the 12th ranked edge rusher by pro football focus last year so he can still get it done even at age 28 
and his value is still relatively high. I think this was a great move by the Giants. They incur $8 million in dead cap, but they free up more than $11.5 million. So this was a really nice move for the Giants. And it was a nice move for the Browns as well because they have the cap space to take on a contract like that, and they have the need uh, on their defensive side of the ball. But the Giants are now entering 2019 with $32 million, an estimated $32 million in cap space, and their notable pending free agents begin with Landon Collins. They have to. And I've made it clear that this is a guy who I'd love for my Green Bay Packers to go out and get. But as we're recording, we find out that Landon Collins has been now signed, is expected to sign, I should say, with division rival the Washington Redskins. So that's a huge uh, addition for the Redskins. Yeah, that is a big addition for the Redskins, as we'll touch on later. But um, if you're the New York Giants, I mean... Like you said earlier, Josh, you ranked 23rd in points against, and neither neither side of the ball was very good for them last year. Um, they definitely have more pieces on that offensive side that they could take, take a step forward with. But like you said, you ranked 23rd in defense, and the first couple moves of your offseason have been not signing or franchise tagging your starting safety in one of the bigger names and trading away um, an elite edge rusher. So, I mean, they're kind of behind the ball if when it comes to upgrading this defense, unless they really believe in some of the guys they had in the locker room last year. But I mean, the statistics just aren't aren't there to show or support the idea that um, a lot of the players they have in the stable are going to take a big step forward next year. Yeah, and I thought that when they traded Olivier Vernon, I thought that was actually going to free up enough cap space to go and sign a guy, re-sign a guy like Landon Collins, but that just did not appear to be the case. And We'll see what James Betcher and company on the defensive side of the ball want to uh, want to do to, to improve that defense. Because, I mean, when you're ranking bottom half of the league there, that's uh, not a recipe for success whatsoever. Now, looking at the offensive side of the ball, they, they ranked 16th in points per game and 17th in total yards. And that's just, with the star power that they have, that's just not something that you would expect to see. But they have their depth receivers as guys who are pending free agents as well. Guys like... Uh, Corey Coleman, Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard, Benny Fowler. I mean, they signed Corey Coleman to a tender worth a little bit more than $2 million, but what happens to the rest of their wide receiving core behind the guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard? I think we see them, uh, like you said, they re-signed Corey Coleman, so I think um, <clears throat> I think that's probably the majority of guys they're going to bring back. The rest of the guys they need to fill at this roster are going to be some some cheaper just depth pieces, seeing as they already have like their top three wide receivers. Um, another receiving threat in Anvin Ingram at the tight end position and a receiving threat of the backfield in Saquon Barkley. So I think I think the running back stable is looking pretty good, especially when you have a legitimate number one threat and one of the better number twos when healthy in Sterling Shepard. Josh, uh, another pending free agent here to note is that of B.W. Webb, um, their number two corner who played in 91.5% of eligible snaps last year. This is a guy I believe they picked up in the third round a couple of years ago. He is uh, now going to be off the books as an unrestricted free agent. He made only $800,000 last year. Um, And with a lot of turnover at the other positions on this defense, I think we see them go out and... May it, uh, uh, see them go out and try and get B.W. Webb to return to the secondary and be a stable piece. Uh, what, what do you think he commands um, if, if the Giants were trying to re-sign him? I think that Webb could could command somewhere even like a three-year contract, I'd say, bring him back for. Um, maybe not nothing crazy, obviously, but I think that he could command something around the the three million, four million dollar range over a three year uh, period, and 
I think that would be good value for both sides. I mean, getting a fairly longer-term contract for him and then the Giants uh, filling a need at the corner position. I think that that'd be, that would suffice for both sides. Let's move on to the off-season needs for the Giants. The first one that I have, Jesse, is their right tackle position. They really need to upkeep, continue to upgrade this line. And the Giants field the 21st-ranked offensive line in 2018, according to PFF. The troubles were not due to the recent acquisitions, like you finished saying with Nate Solder and Will Hernandez, and now I'm sure Kevin Zeitler will be uh, is a great addition. But um, the right-hand side of their line really, really struggled last year, and they now need to keep progressing in order to keep Saquon Bark give Saquon Barkley some holes to run through, and also keep the quarterback of their future healthy. Another need has to be the edge rusher position. Uh, with Olivier Vernon now gone, they're essentially hitting the reset button on that position. But, I mean, have we, as we've discussed before, this draft is loaded with edge rushers. So a guy like Jalen Ferguson at a Louisiana Tech is going to be available on day two. Um, and I think he could fit the bill for the Giants. This guy is the NCAA's all-time sack leader, uh, but wouldn't be a day-one starter as he does need to develop. His hand and foot speed has been noted as uh, somewhat of an issue. And But this could be a day-two need that is addressed unless they creep back in to the first round after their, their uh, sixth overall pick. Jesse, even though they are essentially hitting the reset button at this edge position, and, and they do have a quarterback need, obviously, as well for the future. Do you think that they go and take advantage of the edge rusher need first with this very loaded edge rusher class uh, coming in? Or do you think that they go and address their their quarterback need that's going to be coming up, not this year, but in 2020? <clears throat> when you have a top 10 pick, it's, it's really tough, especially when quarterback is a position of need. Uh, we've seen the regression of Eli Manning over the past couple of years, and we, um, uh, myself as a fan watching, you just know that if he is under center, they don't really have a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl with him anymore. So, I mean, that's obviously the end goal of any team in the NFL is to win a Super Bowl. So if if you look at your starting quarterback and realize he's not capable of that, I think you have to talk some sense in yourself, go out and spend that number six pick on a guy like Dwayne Haskins um, from Ohio State. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and not only the high, one of the highest ceilings uh, projected as, but, but one of the highest floors to even begin with as well. I think that this guy's going to give you uh, some of the more immediate success that you're going to see in this draft class. That's my personal opinion um, because you got a guy like Kyler Murray who, although he has the potential to be a dynamic threat uh, at the quarterback position, he's going to need some time to, to work on his pocket passing. And Dwayne Haskins is already leaps and bounds, in my opinion, ahead of ahead of a guy like Kyler Murray. So um, the last need I have for them is the cor- cornerback position. Now, even though we just talked about Webb being re-signed and then uh, possibly being re-signed, and then we also have a guy like Janoris Jenkins who's filling their number one role right now, I think that they still really need to go out and get um, a defensive back. And, and I think that they're able to really get a, a good one on day two still because I think that this draft is so much so deep at other positions that uh, some of the higher ranked uh, cornerbacks are going to fall to day two. So this could bode well for the Giants uh, who need a number one cornerback. Janoris Jenkins is is getting a little bit uh, older now and uh, I think that he's more of a number two guy that you would like rather than your your 
number one corner. So uh, we'll see how far guys like Greedy Williams and DeAndre Baker fall. Um, but the Giants would love to grab one of them. Uh, if not, Elijah Holder was actually another guy who was really intriguing for me in watching the draft. Uh, he he caught my uh, attention, and I believe he really raised his draft stock. So a guy that the Giants could look to to go grab. All right, then let's move on to the Washington Redskins, who finished seven and nine last season. They hold the fiftieth overall draft pick in twenty nineteen, and it was another uh, tough season for the Washington Redskins, but. This time it was more from an injury standpoint. They they finished that season with 19 players on injured reserve, Jesse, and 29 total players on the reserves, by far the most in the NFL, including their starting rookie running back, Darius Geis, uh, their top two quarterbacks, their top two guards, and their star tight end. And it's no surprise when I tell you that they finished 29th in points for and 28th in total yards. Yeah, and... It- an injury riddled season for the Redskins and it's amazing that they didn't finish at the bottom of this division somehow um, even with all the injuries to such important positions they're still able to finish with a better record than that of the New York Giants so I mean that speaks to um, some of the talent they kind of have around and through all of the injuries that they incurred last season the defense was still a top uh, in the top half of the league for points against so I think this this defense is in position with with uh, some additions on the front seven to make a leap into the top ten. And the question with this franchise going forward is going to be all about the offense. Um, Alex Smith obviously is going to be taking up a lot of their cap space, and he will, um, from the looks of it, um, not play next year. And the year after that, is it's still up in the air. The rest of his career, I guess, is up in the air at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do um, seeing as they traded or are or, or in talks to trade for Case Keenum um, of the Denver Broncos to come fill the role of Alex Smith as their starting quarterback going forward. So I don't think Case Keenum's the guy who's going to take them from 29th to 9th or anything like that. So I, 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 I'm interested to see what kind of uh, improvements this offense can make uh, with Case Keenum at the home. Yeah, like you noted, Alex Smith, it has to be the biggest problem for them going forward in terms of, like, from a, from, from a financial standpoint, because he's, he's accounting for more than 10% of their cap right now with a cap hit of $20 million in 2019. And that leaves them with an estimated $13 million in cap space entering this year. And I don't see them cutting anyone to create any space last second. Um, they did sign safety landing Collins as we previously noted so that's filling a huge need at the safety position uh, I'm not actually really excited about the Redskins entering 2019 Jesse as you noted I mean Case Keenum is probably going to be going to the Redskins it looks like the trade is uh, pretty much all but done just got to wait for it to process and this is the first team that we've covered that I can honestly see getting worse in 2019 even though that they do have a veteran quarterback in case Keenum now at the helm um, I could very well see them ending up with a top three draft pick next year and allowing that would allow them to actually grab their quarterback of the future what do you think about their perspective for 2019 yeah it's going to be hard for them to improve um, obviously the majority of their wins uh, came when they're a little bit healthier and, and prior to the injury of Alex Smith so I think the team that we saw in the second half of the season with Josh Johnson at quarterback, that was just abysmal on both sides of the ball. I think that's kind of um, that's kind of what's going to be their identity next year. It's just not a lot of talent 
um, offensively, and it's they're going to struggle uh, to put up points next year. Um, I mean, Case Keenum uh, was able to have a couple successful seasons in Minnesota, but if you look at the weapons around him and then what he's going to have in Washington, it's going to be really, really tough for him to succeed um, with what he has around him. Yeah, Case Keenum's going to be going into uh, a position where he's got to be more than a game manager at that point. He's got to he's going to have to kind of carry the offense at at times, and that's where the questions lie: is he able to actually carry an offense? So we'll see how that goes. Moving on to their notable pending free agents with Washington's cap situation, they're looking like they're going to lose some really good players, starting with safety HaHa Clinton Dix, and the Redskins traded for HaHa last season uh, at the deadline with my Green Bay Packers, and a product being a product of Alabama, I mean, he's put together some respectable numbers in his first five seasons. Uh, he's going to be a part of this loaded safety market. I don't see any way that the, the Redskins can actually bring him back, um, but I'm sure that he's going to find a team to pay him long term, uh, seeing as how he's He's got a projected value on spot track of $9.6 million per year. I, there's just no way, in my opinion, that the Redskins can hold on to him. No, especially with the signing of Landon Collins. I think HaHa Clindix is uh, played his last snaps uh, uh, as a Redskin, although there were very few snaps he played. But just that whole debacle or whole ordeal um, as a whole kind of points to how this franchise is being ran. I mean, you're going to go out and sign Landon Collins, who plays strong safety, as does HaHa Clindix, to um, a record-setting deal. But you just gave up draft capital to go acquire HaHa Clinton-Dix. So there's really not a lot of forethought in a lot of the moves you see the Washington Redskins making, which is why they've been in the position they've been in for seemingly decades now is just a, a middle middle of the pack team um, who can kind of get into the playoffs if everything works and even at that they were only do that able to do that for one season so yeah we'll see what they're they're really able to do over the next couple of seasons this year like I said is not looking too good for them um, maybe they can string something together once they get their quarterback of the future back and 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 uh Maybe they can string together some some winning seasons in the near future, hopefully. And just noting on HaHa Clinton-Dix, he's a very healthy player. He's never missed an NFL game, which is very important, especially at uh, a safety position. So I think that we're going to see him command some big money. We're going to see him get signed long-term. Moving on to uh, another free agent, I have Preston Smith, their outside linebacker. And he's a key defender for the Redskins. Him and Ryan Kerrigan made a solid tandem at the edge, edge position. Um, very good against the run. Uh, PFF graded him 73.2 against the run in 2018. Uh, and overall, he was the 19th ranked edge rusher uh, in 2019. So his spot track value is $11.1 million. And another guy who I just do not see the Redskins can can re-sign, which is a really big hit uh, to their defense, uh, now being that they are losing a guy that they drafted who is young and primed to just really begin total breakout in this league. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, he will. Uh, the Redskins will probably watch Preston Smith enter his front, uh, enter his prime playing years on another team. That's a guy that they obviously drafted, like coming out of the draft, and has been making some big strides every season in the NFL to kind of vault himself into that of elite edge rusher status. And I think in a couple of years we're going to see him there. But just with the way their cap situation works out, and obviously having money tied up in a quarterback or a large portion of your cap tied up in a quarterback that may or may not play another snap in the NFL, um, that's that's going to cause or that that's going to cause the franchise to lose some pieces. Along the way, because it's just the way the financials work out. I mean, look, they're going to have to go and pay Case Keenum 
like 10 to 18 million dollars to be a quarterback as well right so with with that kind of money tied up in in your t- <clears throat> in your number one quarterback and a quarterback that's injured, you're gonna have to lose some good prospects such as um, Preston Smith, and obviously they feel comfortable that they're able to replace him because um, the money he could have got went to Landon Collings at the safety position. So yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the move myself. I think you and I are feeling pretty similar about the the move to sign Landon Collins, and but. Uh... We'll see how it works out. We're not general managers, so we'll see. Uh, the last pending free agent that a notable pending free agent that I wanted to uh, talk about was running back Adrian Peterson. This guy is just really defying defying age, as we can see it here. Uh, rookie running back Darius Geis went down last year's preseason, and many thought that the Redskins would seriously struggle in the run game once that happened. But then came all day, and he showed us that age doesn't mean a thing, and he exceeded ex- expectations with the Redskins, um, making them an actual noteworthy running game. He had his best year since his monstrous 2015 campaign. Uh, he had over 1,000 yards rushing, 7 t- rushing touchdowns, averaged 4.2 yards on the ground, and this was all behind decimated offensive line, as I mentioned. They just had tons of injury issues up front. So very impressive season by Adrian Peterson. What do you think happens to Adrian Peterson in, in 2019, Jesse? Do you think that he sticks around in Washington, or do you think he finds a new home for what could be his last season in the NFL? Well, like you said, the the whole reason he was there was the injury to Darius Geis, which after watching some videos on social media, it looks as if Darius Geis is um, ready to come back to the NFL oh, and ready, better. ready to make an impact, exactly. So I don't think we see him in a Redskins uniform, but obviously he was able to prove last year that he's still a capable running back in this league. The question then is fit. And that, that's going to be uh, very interesting to see where he ends up. Personally, off the top of my head, I have no idea where he's going to go. But as we saw when he went to the Saints, I mean, it has to be in the right scheme for him to excel because the way the NFL has changed and become a more uh, spread offense-based attack, there's a lot less teams that um, Adrian Peterson's skill set um, really melds with. Yeah, I'd agree that he's not going to be back in a Redskins uniform, but there have been some rumors that he makes a return to the NFC North. Not with the Minnesota Vikings, but with the Chicago Bears. They have Tariq Cohen, who is going to be there for quite some time, I would think. But then Jordan Howard, who's entering the last year of his contract. Maybe we could see Jordan Howard actually getting cut um, at at some point in this offseason. And then in comes Adrian Peterson, who... Based on recent production, I would say I would take Adrian Peterson over Jordan Howard for one year. So, uh, moving on to their 2019 offseason needs, I could really see the Redskins actually moving down uh, from 15. uh, But I don't know if they could actually grab their future quarterback if they were to decide to move up. Or should they just try and get a draft haul by moving down? They're kind of in an awkward spot at 15, especially with some of the needs that they have uh, on both sides of the ball. They're they're at a really awkward stage right now, especially since they don't know their quarterback's future in Alex Smith. What are you thinking? Well, I think at 15, trading down, uh, it's not going to garner you a lot in return. You may be able to get um, another second this year or next year, but I, I don't think you're going to be able to secure another first without giving up something else. Um, at at 15 but yeah it's there's a lot up in the air with the Washington Redskins a lot of mock drafts I saw had them taking a quarterback at 15 I, I don't know if the structure is around in the Redskins on the Redskins offense to 
um, develop a quarterback right now. But I guess when you're sitting behind another veteran, I, I think that's probably where they go and, and they try to kind of usher in a new era here in the next couple of years. Yeah, it could be that they stay put at 15, and I mean, they then they just ride Case Keenum, Keenum for uh, 2019, and, and then they decide to take their future quarterback in 2020. I could very well see that. And then they just add a, a blue-chip player uh, on either side of the ball, really, uh, for in, in this year when they at, at 15. So we'll see what they do there. Uh, wide receiver is a need that I think that they have. They have 27-year-old Paul Richardson and 26-year-old Josh Doxson as their two primary threats on offense. That's not going to be garnering you much uh, production. No, that's not going to win you any games, especially with Case Keenum. You need some better receivers. Um out there to kind of elevate Case Keenum's game. And Josh Dotson, another former first-round pick of the Washington Redskins, um, was kind of drafted as a a big possession receiver, go-up-and-get-it kind of guy, and we really haven't seen him um, transfer his skill to the NFL and be able to produce on any sort of consistent basis in his career so far. So this is a need that they're going to have to address probably most likely in the later rounds of the draft this year and maybe go and get one veteran to shore out the, the, that depth at the wide receiver position. Yeah, and a guy who I could see them taking even on day two would be uh, Keneal Harry out of Arizona State. And this is a guy that caught my attention watching the draft, six foot four, two thirteen, uh, and a guy who I think the Redskins should really target. And he would definitely be a day one starter should they draft him. Um, another need that I had was the inside linebacker position. Um, if they are losing uh, Preston Smith. Uh, just at outside linebacker. Um, They also do not have a lot of depth at inside linebacker, so they are going to need a starter there in the middle of that defense. And and, and listen, Jesse, there's there's always a guy who surprisingly falls in the draft each and every year. Last year was Derwin James. The Chargers are still laughing uh, since they got him at 17th overall. But this year, I wonder if it could be a guy like Devin White out of LSU. And it's hard to imagine, but it was hard to see Derwin James fall to 17 last year. So I'm wondering if Devin White falls to 15. The Redskins got to jump on him, right? You would think so. It really depends on how they feel about the quarterback position. If Daniel Jones or, or any of those quarterbacks available to them, if they believe in them at 15, then they're going to obviously they're gonna go out and take a quarterback nine times out of 10. But... If they don't have the confidence, Jay Gruden doesn't show the confidence in those quarterbacks that would fall to him at 15, then yeah, if he falls to them at 15, for sure they're going to go out and, and get someone that NFL scouts have kind of pegged to be a staple in a good defense and and a instant starter in the NFL with sideline-to-sideline side speed like Devin White. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And Jesse, they finished 9-7 and seven last year, just barely snuck into the playoffs and Won a wild card game courtesy of Cody Parkey and the double doink, but they ended up losing uh, in the next round. But this year they now hold the 25th overall pick uh, heading into the draft, and they showed us once again how difficult it is to win in this league every single season. Super Bowl in 2017 uh, with one of the deepest teams, and then went nine and seven the following year after another Carson Wentz injury. Yeah, it seems to be a recurring theme, and you got to wonder what. The mindset of the Philadelphia Eagles front offices in regards to Carson Wentz's health. Uh, He's obviously had trouble staying on the field. It was ACL, wrist injury. Now it's unfortunately his back that seems to be the issue. So there's obviously got to be a lot of 
definitely a lot of concern in the Philadelphia Eagles front office um, in regards to Carson Wentz health. Um, and seeing as he has a big extension that's coming up, it should be very exciting to see how they handle it. Yeah, and, and in my opinion, this very foolishly, a lot of uh, there's a lot of questions surrounding Carson Wentz's future in Philadelphia after getting hurt once again, and then Nick Foles leading the Eagles back into the playoffs for the second straight year. Again, foolish speculation in my opinion. The speculation was that 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 maybe the Eagles could be moving on from Wentz and then moving moving forward with uh, Nick Foles, but. Carson Wentz is, is 26 years old with the potential to be one of the top quarterbacks in our league, and Foles is 30 years old. And, and although he's shown he can be a top 15 quarterback in our league, uh, he's not a franchise quarterback for really any team at this point in his career. Um, I love what Foles has done, and I think he, he'll get paid deservingly, deservedly, but uh, to compare him to Wentz is ridiculous. And the Eagles enter 2019 with $26 million dollars, in cap space, but they're losing, or they're going to be entering the free agency period with some of, uh, they're going to be entering the free agency period with players who, some of whom were, were integral to their Super Bowl run in 2017, some of their, even their depth pieces. So let's get into actually some of their cut and trade candidates. And one I wanted to talk about once again, while I was doing my research, Michael Bennett, was on my radar as a possible trade candidate. And sure enough, they moved him to the Patriots. Surprise, surprise. Um, and the Eagles, what, it was a good move for them because the Eagles, they actually incur $0 in dead cap on this move, and they clear $7.2 million in cap space. So Michael Bennett had a fairly productive year uh, in 2018, recording nine sacks, but he's also 33 years old, Jesse, and I think that it was a good move trading him now especially if there could be questions as he enters his age 34 season yeah for where the Philadelphia Eagles are as a franchise a veteran on the defensive line um, isn't that important to their success obviously he's proven to be one of the most consistent um, edge rushers and even last year we saw him uh, rushing from the interior a little bit from that D tackle spot uh, in obvious uh, pass rushing situations but I think it's a good move that trade a good move for both sides He'll fit right in with the Patriots. He goes to Bill Belichick, uh, the Bill Belichick system defensively, and I think we'll see him excel there um, in, in limited snaps. But I think for the seven million dollars they save and no dead cap, I think the Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of other positions of need, and they'll be able to address that and be able to throw a little bit more money out there to get some real talent um, to fill in some of the spots on this roster. Yeah, and another guy that I wanted to talk about cut uh, cut candidate-wise was wide receiver Nelson Aguilar uh, because Aguilar is playing on his fifth-year option in 2019 uh, worth a little more than $9.3 million. He's only 25 years old. He has some speed-burning ability. That's what he's known for, and he's done fairly well in this offense. But with the Eagles' cap situation, Jesse, the they just have needs elsewhere on their roster, and it might not be a bad idea seeing what his trade market even looks like um, because they the Eagles would save over $9 million in, in, in cap and incur $0 in dead cap by, by trading or releasing them. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar in his career in the NFL, all, all, of, uh, all of which has been with the Eagles, has been a very polarizing receiver. Um, the first couple of years, people were speaking, uh, talking about him as a bust. But after they kind of, after 
the acquisition of Alshon Jeffrey allowed Aguilar to move um, solely into that slot position. We saw him kind of find a little bit uh, uh, of rhythm uh, and chemistry with quarterback Carson Wentz and elevate himself to um, at least a respectable NFL wide receiver and and removed himself from the bust uh, conversations. But I don't think he's someone that any team's going to look at and decide that we need this guy on our roster for an extended amount of time. Um, uh, as I say that, I, I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to sign him to an extension. Um, there is other needs on this roster, and I think for the nine billion dollars you can get, um, uh, you can acquire for uh, 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 for another prospect. I, I think um, we see Nelson Aguilar probably hit the free agent market this year, or um, get traded to a team that is wide receiver needy. Yeah, he could intrigue a lot of teams. One one knock on Nelson Aguilar has been his drops. He has 20 career drops in four seasons. That's that's a problem. And a guy who's probably a home run hitter, not really going to be uh, catching, you know, 10 balls a game. He's probably going to be catching like three, four balls a game. He's uh, He can't be dropping a bunch of them, right? I've got to stop working out with Braylon Edwards. <laughs> um Moving on to the notable pending free agents, uh, the first one that I have is Timmy Jernigan. And Timmy Jernigan, a defensive tackle, very good interior def- defender for the Eagles, but he's banged up in 2018, only played 100 snaps, including in, including both playoff games. Um, the Eagles declined to pick up his, his $11 million option in 2019, so he will hit free agency. Um, but he was limited with a herniated disc in 2018, and he, I think he will have a chance in 2019 to prove his worth. Uh, to another squad. Yeah, another interesting free agent uh, for these Philadelphia Eagles is someone they acquired via trade last year with the Detroit Lions, Golden Tate the Third, who had uh, an up and down tenure as uh, an Eagles wide receiver, but really found um, his place the last couple weeks of the season and had a uh, a huge hand in winning that game in the playoffs in uh, Soldier Field, obviously securing the game-winning touchdown on the little the little rub out from the slot there. Yeah, that, that, made, that play made the trade all worth it right there. Yeah, you go out and you get a, uh, get a receiver who's proven he can make big plays, and that's exactly what he does in the biggest moment of your season is he goes and wins you a game on the road and uh, arguably one of the tougher buildings to, to play in in Soldier Field in Chicago late in the season a cold day in Chicago so I think uh, I think that makes the trade worth it definitely but I don't see him um, returning to the Eagles I think he's going to command a little bit more than they'd be willing to res- uh, to spend on a veteran receiver and uh, seeing as he is um, as he is turning 32 next year he's probably going to look for a little bit more length on his contract in terms of years um, to try and secure the bag as they say so I, I-, I think we'll probably <clears throat> see him depart from the city of brotherly love yeah he does become one of the most attractive free agents on the wide receiver market this year and golden tate as everybody knows is one of the hardest guys in the nfl when the ball is in his hand it is so hard to bring him down to the ground his legs are like tree trunks and this guy has made a living in the slot and i think he will continue to make his living in the slot just not like you said in Philadelphia. So moving on to their next free agent, I have Nick Foles, who the last two seasons have been nothing short of bliss for Nick Foles, a Super Bowl MVP, 
one season, a trip back to the divisional round and the next, and now he's set to become a very rich man. So, Jesse, this is has worked out pretty well for Nick Foles, who's set be, to become a starter and for a team uh, we both think is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it should be a big offseason for Nick Foles. He's looking to, yet again, secure the bag, as I said previously, uh, most likely with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, yeah, obviously had a great tenure as a quarterback and backup quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. He'll go down in uh, Philadelphia Eagles lore forever. Um, that playoff one will always be remembered, and even the next season, making it back to the playoffs, that was a huge feat for him. So Nick Foles' career as an Eagles quarterback is most likely over, but that will not be forgotten. Yeah, let's move on to their 2019 offseason needs. And the one uh, really important one I have is they're in the running for Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes for sure now that they have uh, gotten rid of Michael Bennett. Um, They have Jay Ajayi and Darren Sproles who are hitting the the free agent market, uh, leaving Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, and Josh Adams as the Eagles running back committee. If they can land a guy like Le'Veon Bell alongside Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, this is a scary offense. Yeah, it definitely could be, especially with Doug Peterson at the helm. We've seen what he's able to do with uh, different weapons offensively coming from that Andy Reid West Coast system, that Andy Reid tree. I personally think, though, Josh, that they're going to go and address uh, this need through the draft. It's a lot more cost-effective, allowing them to fill some other holes um, on this roster. One notable free agent that I kind of looked over that that I don't want to forget about is someone who I think is going to command, especially with a weak cornerback market, is going to command some big dollars this year, and that's cornerback Ronald Darby, who was acquired uh, via trade with the Buffalo Bills two seasons ago, um, the season where they made the Super Bowl run. He's been a a key part of that defense, uh, struggled through some injuries last year didn't see the field as much as um, I'm sure he'd want to but hitting the free agent market I don't think it's likely we see him in Philadelphia and I think he's going to go to a team with a little bit more cap space willing to spend and I think we can see him earn between the seven to ten million dollar a year mark here on a on a longer term contract yeah and that's the other uh, offseason need that I have for the Eagles is besides running back where like you said I would definitely think that they could address that in the draft as well I think that at the 25th overall pick they're probably going to be addressing that cornerback need and I think that they can go grab Greedy Williams out of LSU or uh, DeAndre Baker out of Georgia I think that those guys are both going to be available at 25 and if they can land them then they got their number one cornerback for a long time coming did you have any other anybody else that you wanted to talk about uh, with the Eagles. All right, let's move on to our final team in this division, the 10-6 and 6 Dallas Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? How about them? How about them? I mean, 10-6. and 6. Doesn't that seem just like such an NFC East division-winning record? It does. Classic 10-6. and 6. Just grind it out into the playoffs yep. with a 10-6 and 6 record. Absolutely. At times, though, the Dallas Cowboys looked like one of the more dominant teams in the NFC when they were riding that defense, that stout, young defense. And now they're one of the most interesting teams this offseason, in my opinion. Um, they have so much that they need to take care of. They have no first-round draft picks because they traded their first-rounder to the Oakland Raiders in the Amari Cooper trade. Um, and they only have six overall draft picks, but they enter a free agency with roughly $29 million in cap space. Jesse, simply for this team to make 
the next step, they need Dak Prescott to really start uh, progressing as a passer. Not so much as a runner. We know what he can do as a runner, but we really need him to start taking command and move on from a game manager and start taking command of an NFL offense. Well, that's exactly right, Josh, and that's why you saw them go out and be willing to spend their first-round pick to get Dak a legitimate number one receiver or, or someone who can be considered a legitimate number one receiver um, and that of Amari Cooper. But this is a team that quietly kind of went under the radar. They finished in the bottom third of the league for points four, scoring 339, good enough for 21.2 points per game. That's 22nd out of the 32 teams. Um, The real backbone of this roster, how it's constructed, is that defense with those young linebackers, Jalen Smith and uh, Van Der Esch. Um, uh, Helming the defense, that was good enough for 6th overall uh, in points against, allowing only 20.3 points per game. So a real big question for me uh, in this offseason and the ones coming up is they're going to have to um, set aside a large portion of their cap spending for um, Amari Cooper Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and looking at the statistics those guys aren't really the reason they were so successful last year that onus falls on the defense like I said that top 10 unit defensively um uh, that that unit defensively so it's it's hard for me to justify spending all that money on your quarterback running back and receiver when that wasn't Um, the recipe that really got you the success that you had this year. Yeah, one thing I will say, though, is that if Ezekiel Elliott is not, I really still don't think Ezekiel Elliott is given enough credit for what he does on that Cowboys offense. He, if he's not there, the Cowboys offense is so stagnant. They, They just, they're not really much without Ezekiel Elliott. He does a lot from, and now Dak Prescott, to take that next step, he also gets back, uh, the veteran tight end, Jason Witten, is one of his weapons. So we'll see how they all meld. And another year for Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup to build their chemistry with uh, Dak Prescott. So we'll see what happens there. Jumping into their notable pending free agents, Randy Gregory is gone from the NFL, possibly forever. Uh, defensive tackle, David Irving, uh, who is a key piece to their defense, their best interior defender. Uh, he's also suspended, and he took uh, took to social media to post a video of him smoking weed just to, I don't know, show the NFL. Yeah, he's I- trying to push the um, plants over pills movement that I'm sure we'll see get brought up in the next collective bargaining agreement. So Yeah, and he's really just showing us how seriously he's taking his NFL career there. I don't, that sh- I shook my head at that video, but uh, I don't know. Josh, we do come from a land where stuff like that is now legal for recreational use so I think it's time that the NFL kind of reflects on that of uh, society nowadays and kind of removes that kind of stuff from the banned substance list but that is neither here nor there obviously someone we're going to have to touch on is that of Demarcus Lawrence who got tagged for the second year in a row and word out of uh, Dallas is that he is willing to sit out until he gets a long-term contract yeah I don't blame him I mean he's had two stellar seasons in a row and Lawrence has really established himself as one of the premier edge rushers in our league he has had 25 sacks and six forced fumbles over the past two seasons he's proven to be a game wrecker at times and spot track values him at 19.6 million dollars per year so if he does not get his long-term contract that he desires I do not blame him uh, sitting out uh, until he gets that money nor do I I mean he's going he's turning 28 next season so this contract is really going to be his big money contract that's going to kind of uh the term will kind of match up with his prime and probably near the end of his contract he'll be on the decline so this is his one time to go out there and get that big money and being stuck on the franchise tag going out there playing on a one-year deal with the risk of injury just really isn't fair 
um, to Demarcus Lawrence, his family, uh, or his financials. Yeah, and I mean, with the Cowboys' upcoming contract extensions, like you mentioned with Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, it's kind of obvious in a way to say that the Cowboys need to figure out a way to please Demarcus Lawrence with his money and then also worry about themselves at the same time uh, with their cap situation. But if they lose Demarcus Lawrence, whether he sits out or they they uh, release him or trade him, I should say, uh, that's going to be a huge hit if if he's gone from from that defense. So um, a cut candidate that I had originally was linebacker Sean Lee. And me and you have talked about that before. I I think that Sean Lee either needed to take a pay cut or the Cowboys needed to release him. And sure enough, he restructured his contract and took a pay cut for 2019. So uh, that really helps. Uh, Looking at their future, we've already mentioned some of the names that they need to pay, but also on top of all those names, they have cornerback Byron Jones, who's also going to need to be paid, and Byron Jones has established himself as one of the uh, premier corners in the NFL as well, who is just a freak at the uh, combine at the scouting combine when he was getting drafted. Uh, Jesse, what kind of offseason needs do you have for the Cowboys? Well, with the loss of two key pieces on that defensive line rotation to suspension um, for violating the uh, <clears throat> the drug abuse policy, those were two NFL quality starters that they lost due to those suspensions. So I think that's probably where their biggest needs lie is replacing. Um, that of Randy Gregory and David Irving, like we mentioned earlier. So I think they in the draft, especially one that's deep um, in the second or third round, uh, a defensive tackle is probably on high up on their list of needs. I agree. Uh, they don't know what his future looks like, so they definitely need a replacement for him. Another would be a cornerback. They need another a number two cornerback right beside Byron Jones, who's made great strides, and uh, he he just needs some help simply because the Cowboys defense, if they're going to be really relying on them, then they need them not only to be solid in the front seven, but they need him to be solid in the uh, in the secondary as well. Uh, did you have any other needs for them? No, I think that's it for the NFC East. Alrighty, let's move on to our second and final division for this episode, the AFC South. And Jesse, this has been a quiet division for a long time, but now this is a division that's set to trend upwards with a lot of potential among these teams and uh, very exciting 2019s uh, ahead for each of these teams who now all have cap space as well. So let's begin with the Jacksonville Jaguars who finished 5-11 and last season. Tony's pro- Tony Romo's prediction to represent the AFC in last year's Super Bowl, obviously that didn't uh, turn out. Um, and it actually ended up being a major disappointment for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, who were relying on Blake Bortles to command that offense yet. Yeah, well looking at the postseason run he had prior to this year, obviously they missed the playoffs this year, but um, it was he played well enough um, in those uh, three games against Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and the New England Patriots um, that this front office looked at him as the quarterback of the future and they went out and signed him to a pretty large hefty deal that they are now regretting and they had to cut some uh, important pieces of that defense to go out and get Blake Bortles' eventual replacement, which we believe to be Nick Foles. So, yeah, and they have a new offensive coordinator coming in and John Filippo, who's entering a similar situation to last year where he is the new offensive coordinator entering a team with a new quarterback and probably going to be, like you said, Nick Foles. So we'll see uh, how John Filippo handles 
it this time around. Um, Jesse, with Doug Marone taking over this very talented team and hopefully now getting his quarterback, where do you think he needs to get this team to in 2019 in order to have a safe job in 2020? I think any sort of playoff appearance is what Jacksonville um, will accept to uh, to retain him for another year. This is a franchise that outside of that one playoff run hasn't had a lot of success in the past decade. So a playoff appearance, I think, will satisfy the fan base in the front office. Um, and they are in position to do so. If Nick Foles can even be a top 15 starter next year, for as bad as this team was, I mean, they still finished fourth in points against, um, only allowing 19.8 points per game last year um, and fifth in opponent yards per game. So, I mean, this is still an elite, elite defense. Um, uh, heading into next year. Um, obviously, the offense was this team's Achilles heel, helmed by Blake Bortles and whoever else uh, revolved at the starting quarterback position after he was pulled. Um, they were only able to put up 15 point, a poultry 15.3 points per game, good enough for the second worst um, um, record in the league in, in, in reference to points for. So I think any marginal improvement at quarterback will see this team be at least fighting for a playoff spot the majority of the year. Yeah, and what a quarterback's going to do as well is is really take the load off of uh, star running back Leonard Fournette's shoulders, who faced eight-plus defenders in the box 35.34% of the time, Jesse, and that's third most of all running backs. So that tells me that opposing defenses had zero respect for the Jaguars' passing game last year. So hopefully Nick Foles can at least uh, make them think about them passing the the, the ball next season. Um, cut candidates have to start with Blake Bortles. Uh, Blake Bortles, his cap hit is $21 million in 2019. That is absolutely crazy. And uh, I don't think that we're going to see him cut before the free agency period begins, just in case they, for some reason, don't land Nick Foles. Uh, they are going to need to have a backup plan, obviously. And he's also due another $1 million uh, in roster bonus on March 17th. So the Jaguars can avoid paying him this $1 million should they sign Nick Foles at the start of free agency period. Then they would have a three-day window to avoid paying him that $1 million bonus. Um, Now in terms of financials for cutting Blake Bortles, uh, if they were to cut him between March 17th and June 1st, they would incur $17.5 million in dead cap uh, and save $3.5 million. But if they were to release Blake Bortles after June 1st, that would result in $11.5 million in dead cap and uh, $9.5 million in savings. So what do you think that they do in terms of cutting him? Do you think that if they just land Nick Foles, they'll just immediately cut him? Or do you think they hold on to him, maybe restructure a deal with him for him to stay as a backup? I think we could definitely see him restructure his deal to come along as a backup. It seems um, over the past week, uh, with the cuts that the Jaguars already made, uh, they've freed up enough cap space to go and get Nick Foles, uh, regardless of uh, the Blake Bortles situation. So I think they're gearing up to have him come back as a backup, someone who's familiar in the system. But uh, it, it's a tough call. Yeah, with their pending free agents coming up too, like you said, they they cleared some cap space, starting with Malik Jackson, defensive tackle, uh, and also safety to Sean Gibson, who is in the same boat. Um, Running back TJ Yeldon's probably the most interesting pending free agent who's uh, is probably going to receive a lot of calls during the free agency period because I don't think that TJ Yeldon's ever going to be a workhorse in the NFL, but he would be a really great addition to any running back committee. Um, he has over 3,000 scrimmage, total scrimmage yards in his four seasons in the NFL, and he's a lot bigger than a lot of people might think he is, and a lot of people uh, see him play as. He's six foot one, 220 pounds. That's, he's a big boy, and he's got a lot of speed. And uh, Spot Track values him at 
$1.8 million per year. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that the Jaguars bring back TJ Yeldon or do you think that he joins and uh, maybe a, or do you think that he joins a running back committee where maybe he has a better chance to, to start? Well, I think uh, obviously Carlos Hyde, who uh, is, a, is another running back um, in, in the stable that they had last year, acquired via trade from the Cleveland Browns. He is on his way out of Jacksonville. So the, some of the depth they have at running back is gone. And I think they do, uh, if they do have the money to spend after everything's said and done with the uh, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles dilemma that they have going on, I think they'll have enough cap space to re-sign him. And he really is um, a good complimentary piece to a real in-between-the-tackles uh, runner such as Leonard Fournette. Yeah, let's move on to their uh, off-season needs. Uh, besides quarterback at the edge rusher position, they traded Dante Fowler last season to the LA Rams, and now they just need another edge rusher. And this is probably, in my opinion, going to be addressed at the seventh overall pick that they have. Uh, do you think that they grab pass rusher at number seven? I think that's the most likely outcome. Um, obviously, that is a cost-effective way to go out and get a guy to add a. a... Oh, breaking news, Josh! But we just got word from Ian Rappaport on Twitter that Nick Foles is officially signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Did we, you see this coming, Josh? We, we called it. We called it. I, I, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. Yeah, I'm, we're going to have to start collecting some salary from these teams. This is getting ridiculous. We'll see what the salary is for Nick Foles, but right now we do have word that he is going to be signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars once the free, free agency period officially opens. So can really uh, address the addresser edge rusher position free agency period officially opens so the Jaguars have a quarter now consists of Marquise Lee D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole who Keelan Cole had at times very nice uh points in the season uh however they're paying Marquise Lee nine million dollars in 2019 and that's just an overpay if you ask me they need a number one receiver uh really badly and especially if you got a new guy like Nick Foles coming in now why not get him a new toy I think why not get him a new toy? I think the reason uh, they wouldn't is simply the financials of it. Like you said, they're playing Marquise Lee, $9 million. They just signed um, Nick Foles. I don't think they have enough cap room to really go out and get someone who's marginally better than the three players you named. In the draft on day two, do you think that that's something they could address, though? That is something they could look towards in the draft, yes, but... I don't think there's going to be many people later in the draft that are going to come in and make an immediate impact like they kind of need at that position. All right. Uh, one other that I had before moving on was the right tackle position. The Jaguars helmed the 22nd ranked offensive line in 2018, according to PFF. And a big reason for their struggles was due to their poor play at right tackle by uh, Eric Flowers and Josh Walker. They allowed a combined 60 pressures. That's just awful. And... Uh, the ja- the Jaguars really desperately need to fill this role. Again, at 7th overall, I don't really see them filling the role uh, of right tackle, but this could be a, a, a need that they fill on day 2 of the draft uh, or grab somebody in free agency. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans, 9 and 7 in 2018 and the Titans enter Mike Vrabel's second year as head coach and Marcus Mariota's fifth year. Jesse and and pretty surprising that it's already Marcus Mario's fifth year. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday he was at Oregon in that Chip Kelly offense and and uh, just uh, <clears throat> breaking some records in the NCAA. 
crazy uh, how times change. It, it is, cool. and and it's interesting. He's entering obviously his fifth year, as you said. He's due for a contract extension, and I don't think anybody, even in the Tennessee Titans uh, front office, knows if they're going to offer him a big extension. Just seeing on how he's played, and he's had trouble staying on the field. And when he's on the field, he he doesn't seem to uh, man the offense exactly. Yeah, uh, and th- this is a this is a team who finished nine and seven last year. Obviously, Josh and was. Right in the playoff hunt till the last day, losing to a division rival uh, in the in the Indianapolis Colts at home um, in a, in a win and you're in situation. Um, obviously, they were without Marcus Mariota uh, in that game and a team um, obviously without their starting quarterback in the last uh, in, <clears throat> a team without their starting quarterback uh, with Blaine Gabbert uh, Blaine Gabbert at the helm for that last game of the season. Obviously, a tough way. Um, to end your season, but a lot to look forward to, at least on the defensive side of the ball in Tennessee, um, seeing as they finished third in points against. A lot of good defenses in this AFC South division, and a lot of them are actually looking to improve um, in the next couple of years. So like you said earlier, Josh, this is an exciting division um, with a lot of up-and-coming teams. Obviously, Three of these teams were in the playoff hunt until, or two of them made it to playoffs, and then uh, the third one, and the Titans were in it until the last day of the season. So yeah, and the Titans hold the 19th overall draft pick heading into the draft, and like you said, Marcus Mariota is is the Titans' headliner essentially heading into this 2019 season, as he's got to simply prove that he's the Titans' quarterback of the future, whether he is or whether he isn't. Uh, the Titans just need to find that out at the end of 2019. So uh, I expect the Titans to be another active team in free agency this year with their estimated $45 million in cap space as they enter into the, the period. Um, one of their notable pending free agents as we enter free agency uh, has to be strong safety Kenny Vaccaro, who as we're recording this, he also got re-signed by the Titans. Uh, so that is one name checked off of their list but now they also have outside linebacker Derek Morgan who is another veteran at 33 years old he was drafted by the Titans in 2010 and while he provided stability uh, in his time I think that the Titans really just need to keep getting younger at that pass rusher position as they drafted Harold Landry in last year's draft I think that they go out and they fill Derek Morgan's role now at that 19th overall pick. Brian Orakbo is another veteran who is set to hit free agency. He's an inside linebacker for the Titans. And I think that the Titans will, again, they'll just echo their draft approach from last year, drafting uh, defense in the first couple of rounds in this year's draft. Uh, looking at their offseason needs, uh, as we already mentioned, edge rusher, I think that uh, Montez Sweat could possibly drop to them at 19th overall. Sweat has had a great preparation for the draft, Jesse. Uh, he's had a great senior bowl, a great combine, and his d- draft stock just really keeps rising. And that would be a really scary duo with uh, him and Harold Landry. I agree. I think if you're going to spend a first-round draft pick, uh, especially seeing how abysmal the offense performed after, after Delaney Walker... <laughs> Uh, suffered his season-ending injury. I think uh, we've seen Marcus Mariota build a good connection and and kind of look to his tight end to be a safety valve in that offense. And without him, that offense really shut down. So I could see them going out and taking one of the two tight ends out of Ottawa, uh, either Hawkinson or Fant at 19, and trying to get Marcus Mariota another target um, at a position um, he seemed to have a, a good chemistry with and try and surround.
around uh, Marcus Mariota with as many weapons as he can so they can really gauge how he performs with uh, with, with weapons around him, seeing as they're going to have to um, either move on from him next season or sign him to an extension. Right, and just speaking of more weapons to surround him with, uh, a wide receiver could be uh, a position of need for the Tennessee Titans as we enter free agency and the draft. Uh, they have they have Corey Davis as their number one wide receiver right now, but just based on what I've seen, I've seen Corey Davis show some flashes, but he just looks as more of a number two piece in any offense to me than than a number one weapon. And that's why I think also you saw Marcus Mariota target Delaney Walker so much. So I think that they need a true number one wide receiver that they can go out and grab. And then that would really complement also uh, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry in their backfield along with Marcus Mariota. Jesse, a question for you. How do you see the Titans approaching this offseason with Marcus Mariota just in terms of with their draft needs? Do you see them going out on day two and or day three even and, and picking up uh, a quarterback just in case Marcus Mariota doesn't work out for them? Or do you see them maybe even addressing it in free agency with a younger, maybe even a Blake Bortles in free agency? If anything, uh, free agency related, they might need to go upgrade the backup position because like we said, he has had trouble staying on the field. So, you know, last year, if you look at them, if they had a more capable backup, they might have been in the playoffs. So I think that's a need we see them go and addressing. As it comes to um, Marcus Mariota's heir apparent, I don't think maybe you take a flyer in the fifth, someone that Marcus Mariota uh, isn't too concerned about, but you can't you can't really go out and draft a guy who you want to, uh, to be Marcus Mariota's successor because his future is still up in the air. So I think, yeah, I think a backup quarterback is likely in free agency. Someone like a Blake Bortles, um, Tyrod Taylor, maybe, seeing as their skill set's kind of the same so you don't have to change up the offense too much um, if Marcus Mariota were to get injured. But I don't see them uh, drafting uh, his successor uh, anywhere. They're expending a draft pick on the quarterback and any anything higher than the fourth round. All right, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts, who finished ten and six last season. Possibly the most intriguing team in the AFC South entering 2019 because they are poised, in my opinion, to make the biggest leap out of all of these teams. They hold the 26th overall draft pick, and they have an NFL-leading estimated $101 million in cash space. Jesse, they got a lot of cash to dish out to some really high-end free agents that are coming up. They have one of the most exciting quarterback coach tandems in the NFL in Frank Reich and Andrew Luck as they enter their second season together. And this is a top 10 offense in 2018 that's coming back and a top half of the league defense who's set to continue trending upwards with um, defensive rookie of the year, Darius Leonard. Well, and and saying that, Josh, if you're a glasses-half-full kind of guy, they're a top t- 10 defense, too, as they finish 10th in, in, in points against. But, yeah, it's, it's I mean, you'd love, you want to be in the Indianapolis Colts situation right now. Not only do you have $100 million in cap space, you made the playoffs last year. Um, you beat a division rival to make it to the playoffs and then beat another division rival, uh, both, of them, both of them being on the road, to win a playoff game and then obviously lost in Kansas City, but put up a good fight. Um you have the, your coach of the future who you just happened to fall into your lap after the Josh McDaniels incident. Um, you have your uh, a top 10 quarterback locked up on a long-term contract. So, I mean, there's just a million different routes they could go. But based on what we've seen 
uh, for them to get to this position. I don't think we see them go and make too many splashy free agent signings. I think they kind of spend a lot of that on depth, and they're looking forward to the future and re-signing these guys. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Uh, they had arguably the best rookie class in 2018 with guard Quentin Nelson, who came in and earned a first-team All-Pro nod in his rookie campaign. And they also have, like I mentioned previously, Darius Leonard, who only led the NFL in tackles in his rookie season. Um, another less-talked-about name was tackle Braden Smith, who performed well above expectations last season on the Colts' offensive line. Um, who only allowed a league-best 18 sacks in 2018. Uh, Andrew Luck was kept clean, and surprise, surprise, Andrew Luck was kept clean, and he uh, had, in my opinion, his best season yet in the NFL. So looking at their notable pending free agents, I really only have one, Jesse, that being their center, uh, who split some time last year, Evan Bohm. And he wasn't their starting center, but needed to fill in due to injury at times. Uh, when he did, he did play admirably, finishing with a 2018 PFF grade of 70.7. I know there are several teams around the NFL uh, who he he could come in and compete for a day one starting job. So I don't see the Colts re-signing him. I see him walking to free agency and, and, and getting a nice contract with another team. But now let's get into some fun here and let's, Let's spend their $101 million for them, Jesse. Who do you have the targets needing? The... But now let's have some fun and let's spend the Colts $101 million, Jesse, in free agency. Who do you have the Colts needing to target in free agency in order to make that next step? Well, one name uh, that caught my eye as I was looking through uh, the list of free agents would be another weapon for Andrew Luck and a running mate for T.Y. Hilton, um, a veteran presence, uh, Golden Tate the third, um, uh, <clears throat> an intelligent wide receiver, works well from the slot, and uh, with a lot of the compressed sets we saw out of the Indianapolis Colts last year with Frank Reich at the helm, I think he would be um, a, an awesome addition um, to that offense and allow T.Y. Hilton to kind of uh, shoulder less the load um, and give him give more space to work. Yeah, I think that's got to be their number one need heading into the offseason here is get another weapon for Andrew Luck. They went out and got Eric Ebron, uh, who had a spectacular career year uh, last year. Now they need another playmaker on the perimeter uh, or just really in that aerial attack to take the load off of T.Y. Hilton. Tyrell Williams is another wide receiver they could go out and target. But Golden Tate, because he plays in the slot, could really mesh well with the, the, the Colts. The Colts' time to pass in 2018 with, was ninth quickest in the NFL. It took 2.63 seconds per pass. So they like to get the ball out of their hands really quickly. And Golden Tate making his money in the slot, he's going to be running a lot of quicker routes. I think he would mesh really well with the Colts. Uh, another need that they have in my opinion would be running back Le'Veon Bell has to be in the conversation here the Colts fielded a serviceable running game in 2018 with Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines but Le'Veon Bell would run all three downs and that'd be a big time playmaker to take the weight off of Andrew Luck's shoulders yeah I agree with you it's been interesting though um Unlike with the Jets, per se, a lot of these big-name free agents, we haven't heard the Colts um, 
really making a run at, at Le'Veon Bell or even trading for an Antonio Brown. They've seemed to have kept quiet on these bigger name free agents, which is probably why they are the position they're in um, with this exorbitant amount of cap space. So, uh, like you said, I think Le'Veon Bell would be a good fit, but I think it's also more likely that they stand pat with their running back by committee approach that they had last year, um, seeing as every running back kind of fared well um, in that role. Um, and they had a successful season. One glaring hole in the Colts' defense last season was in the secondary. It was at cornerback position. I could really see them making uh, kind of a surprise uh, draft pick on day one and grabbing Greedy Williams or DeAndre Baker at 26 overall should they still be available. I think that if they can really fill the wide receiver role and the cornerback role, whether in the draft or free agency— I think that the Colts are not only back in the playoffs next year, but I think that they're trying to make another run back to the AFC Championship. Yeah, well, with the the Colts finishing ten and six last year, I think if yeah, if you do address um, wide receiver and corner with some blue chip players, that could definitely net you one to two more wins, which would which would put them somewhere around a twelve and four. And at that point, you're jockeying for uh, bye weeks instead of just cracking the playoffs on the last week. So you got to like. Um, how next season's looking for these Indianapolis Colts. We'll see how many moves they make for sure. We'll see. Uh, the Colts have stayed really quiet uh, with Frank Reich there. So uh, let's move on to the Houston Texans. 11-5 and in 2018. The Texans ended up having a great year after starting 0-3, which is very rare to make the playoffs after starting 0-3 to begin with. But this is now a veteran team with an estimated $68 million in cap space. They're ready to continue progressing with their young quarterback, Deshaun Watson, Jesse, uh, with the 23rd overall pick in the draft. They're going to be taking a huge hit on the back end with some of their losses, such starting with uh, Tyron Matthew, who is going to be hitting free agency, but another one has to be uh, Kareem Jackson. Yeah, and it's going to be a toss-up to uh, between those two players to see who they want to bring back. But I think Tyron Matthew, um, coming in on the one-year uh, cheaper deal he had last year, uh, reports reports are that he did enjoy his time in Houston. Um, I believe he's a Louisiana kid, so it's pretty close uh, down south. Um, so I think uh, between him and Kareem Jackson, I think the Texans are going to make a pretty big push to keep Tyron Matthew as kind of the leader of that secondary going forward. Um, I think Kareem, uh, because... Um, the Texans feel so strongly about Tyron Matthew. I think Kareem Jackson then becomes a casualty this offseason, and they're going to have to look to replace um, him at cornerback. Yeah, another cap casualty uh, was Kevin Johnson, cornerback. He was released by the Texans earlier this month. He cleared over $9 million in cap space, and he's already had several meetings uh, with teams, so he is set to find a really nice home. Um, Demarius Thomas is a name that really is just kind of fell by the wayside a bit just because he got traded to the Texans at last year's deadline, but then Thomas suffered a season-ending injury, and he got released by the Texans following his season-ending injury last season. So do you really... I, I, he's not going to be going back to the Texans, obviously, but Demarius Thomas is going to be given another chance for sure. Do you think that he assumes a, a second or third role in, in, in an offense? I think he does, but just uh, with when his injury happened and everything that's uh, gone on this offseason, I don't think we see him in training camp with the team. I think he's going to be a later addition to kind of a mid, uh, mid-season mid addition to a, a team contending for a Super Bowl a la Des Bryant and the New, uh, New Orleans Saints last year. I think um, just seeing at his age, he's a proven commodity. 
and he can come in there and be a tertiary uh, receiver for a team. So, yeah, I think we'll see Demarius Thomas uh, take kind of a Des Bryant approach to his free agency uh, this season. Moving on to their 2019 offseason needs, the Texans' O-line was one of their really big struggles last season. They they fielded the 23rd-ranked they fielded the 23rd ranked unit according to Pro Football Focus last year, allowing 62 sacks last season. That's almost four a game. And they really just need to keep their franchise quarterback upright and healthy if they want any success in 2019. So, Jesse, I think that they really need to address the tackle or the guard position at 23. Yeah, I would agree with you. Tackle or guard, they that whole offensive line uh, needs to be rebuilt, whether that be through the draft um, or free agency. Free agency a little bit less likely, seeing as some of the bigger names um, haven't uh, signed anywhere, but Houston hasn't really been reported as suitors for any of the big names, um, offensive line free agents this offseason. So I think that's something we're going to see them um, go and address in the draft at 23. Yeah, we could see them taking Andre Dillard out of Washington State or even a Jawan Taylor if he uh, happens to fall. So I think that they're going to be okay at 23 overall, uh, taking their their tackle of the future. Uh, one other was uh, their cornerback or a safety, depending on if uh, if Tyron Matthew comes back. They're going to be missing several starters from 2018, so they just really just need to find uh, some help in replacing those veterans. There's going to be a lot of DBs taken off the board in rounds two and three, and I think the Texans are are going to be a part of it. All right, you got nothing else to talk about? All righty, well, that was our most packed episode yet. That was uh, a lot of information covered. And free agency kicks off later this week, and I'm sure there's going to be even more movement as we ramp up to free agency. So we might have to get back in here quicker than we originally planned. But uh, until next time, this uh, thank you for listening to the Outsiders NFL podcast. Uh, For Jesse Cornega, I am Josh Frysam. We will see you guys next time.